Hi there, it's Andrea Adams in the HR Hub. We're talking about employee crisis today on this HR podcast. In general, we talk about all things related to HR and your HR career here. You can also find me on YouTube. Today, my guest is John Robertson. John wrote a book called Run Toward the Roar and helps organizations and leadership transform their the traditional response to crisis. Hi, John. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. And I figure we'll get in a little bit more. There's that HR focus within that, but there's also sort of that broader focus, and you're going to help us understand that today. First question, though, uh, and related to that, what crisis are we talking about? So, first of all, there's two things that often happens when we talk about what kind of crisis. Number one, the event is never the real crisis. And if, if anybody forgets that, it's a dominoes from that point because we overreact to certain things and we underreact to other things. The event is never the real crisis. It's the reactions that we want to highlight. But the second thing, and this is where HR becomes so strategic because how a crisis gets handled dictates which way the culture goes. Remember that teeter-totter? I'm thinking to Calgary, the flood or COVID-19, that's, that's universal. Um, that's not the crisis. The crisis is, is somewhere how employees are responding to that if we're part of an organization. So let me illustrate. We all know the big crisis. So you have organizations deal with floods or um, power outages for weeks due to a nice storm. The list goes on. Yeah. However, what about that favorite employee? You know, oh your mind's eye, I can guarantee you, you will remember that person that everybody loved. It could be a custodian, it could be office admin, doesn't matter. But he or she gets diagnosed with terminal cancer and is gone really quick or gets killed in a motor vehicle collision. The other thing, a really popular employee decides that they're done. Let me illustrate this. A friend of mine out west dealing with an organization where they were obviously sent home during COVID, and now they're all going back into the office. All the people that she loved to work with are gone. And that for her and maybe many others is a crisis. Or Think, think about the performance issues. Think about the engagement issues. Think about the retention all the other pieces that speak, that speak into that. So the mm-hmm. event's never the real crisis and how a crisis gets addressed, resolved, mm-hmm. dictate health or unhealth. So if you think about that employee coming back to work and all the people she liked are gone, I mean, normally we would not in a million years think of that as a crisis. That's just her. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's her issue. How does that crisis lens allow us to look at that situation differently? Number one, you and I know that relationships are the key for any. I mean, I mean, as parenting one-on-one, if there's no relationship, it doesn't matter. Mm. And, and what's happening in a workplace today, people are filled with information, surrounded by people socially, mm-hmm. dying loneliness 
And and so what's happening, and that doesn't mean we're going to get together and do Friday night pizza and wings, join hands, sing kumbaya. That's not what I'm talking about, a relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, can we have a conversation about things that really matter? So, you know, reframe the discussion. And by the way, nobody's in a better position to do it than HR. Is if HR allow themselves only to have the performance discussions, the puff conversations, then that'll be a challenge. But how was that weekend? What did you rate it? What did you do on the weekend to recharge your battery? And just help people keep their heads in the games because if I, I read a, not a read, I heard a woman made the comment and I'm stealing it. I've got her permission to steal it, but I'm stealing it. And Heather's comment was, we all love to hear the stories of, about somebody who's come through mm -hmm. a mental health challenge. Mm -hmm. The problem we have is nobody wants to hear or talk about it while we are going through it. It's true. And, and so, yeah, you know what? There's a lot of what I would say, lip service being given to psychological health and safety, mental health, well-being, all those other things. But who am I going to call? Not Ghostbusters, but who am I going to call when, you know what? When I'm just not heading the game. Uh -huh. And, I mean, think about it. You know, you've got kids. You've got friends. You know, something happens on the weekend where they, it's just like putting a stick in your front spokes of your bike. It's mm -hmm. not major, but it sent you over the handlebars. You're coming into work, and it's like, this is probably not the place I really feel like being right now. I wanted to ask, you know, if we stick with the old school definition of crisis is an event, some kind that we, at least we know of, um, what are the steps, or maybe it's a, a, a low, lowercase c crisis, how do we respond? What are the steps? So a couple things, and it doesn't matter whether it's a big C or a small C, because the reactions are exactly the same. Okay. So the first step is, why do you want to deal with it? And the reason I'm asking that is, if the organization and leadership does not have an answer to that question, it will come across patronizing. It, there, 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 you're fine. Good boy, good girl, there you go. The why speaks to the motivation. The motivation are the real values, not the ones posted on the website in the brochure. It's the ones that we really operate by. The second piece, which is actually the most important, is normal reactions by a normal person to any abnormal event is fight, flight, freeze, appease. The first step is normalization. So when somebody says, you know what, I haven't had a good night's sleep since, you know, whatever, Billy Bob or Susie Q left our workplace and went to work somewhere else. I haven't had a good night's sleep. Yeah, well, welcome to the human species. What do you mean? Well, kind of a normal reaction to all that. Third is what I call the sweat, flush, fill, rest steps. Give them some immediate, it's first aid for the well-being. In crisis, it's sweat, physical activity, you got to get the stress chemicals down. Flush is the fluids. 
Bill is both nutritionally. So like we say to some of us say to our kids, I didn't ask you if you wanted to eat your vegetables. (laughs) I'm telling you to eat your vegetable. So nutrition, because most of us, when we're stressed, go to non-healthy sources of food, shall we Chocolate? Come on, chocolate's healthy. Absolutely. (laughs) And brunchets and, you know, all those health nutritional supplements. And the fill is also cognitive. And this is where, when, I don't know what you're like, but when I get stressed, I can Google or social media for hours and literally have no recollection of what I just burned hours doing. So fill is both, what am I doing that's going to, if you will, recharge, support, nutritionalize the brain. So hobbies, interests, I know people who enjoy jigsaw puzzles, piano, photography, walking, there are all kinds of different things. And then rest is just a simple acronym I use. Recreation, and then envision what's one or two goals for tomorrow. Nothing major. You know what? I'm going to get up in the morning and go for a 10-minute walk. Mm-hmm. And, and then the ass is sleep. But if I'm not sleeping, don't lie in bed saying I got to go to sleep. That actually wakes us up. Right. Mm-hmm. And tea is probably the most challenging. Thankfulness. Listing out seven to 10 items that we are grateful for, that we are thankful for. Mm -hmm. One of the things that neuroscience is proving, but one of the things that we have to come to grips with is I cannot have positive and negative faith and fear coexist in my brain at the exact same moment of time. So I'm starting to give myself permission to say, you know what? I'm thankful that today I got a pulse so far. Today I got a pulse. <laughs> um, I've got employment. I've got friends. Right. So sweat, flush, fill, and then rest. Recreation, envision, sleep, and thanks. If we think about it, Um, not as the individual, but as the organization, as HR, knowing that there's employees in crisis, uh, what are the critical stages of crisis management from that perspective? Number one is, and this is where it's so important with uh, personnel well-being, people who are stressed lose the ability, and it's psychologically proven, it's not an opinion, Humans lose the ability to filter between what we think and say. One of the most important pieces in an organization is get people out of the public eyes because they may say something they have no recollection of saying. And think about the performance. You want to minimize HR fallout? Yeah. Yeah, issues. Think about what happens when somebody says stupid and and they don't even remember saying it. And by the way, we see this all the time. Like if my house burns to the ground, media tries to catch me right away. So the filter is still offline and I will say something 
that I may not remember. And so when HR are first protect people, second, if I'm not the best person for you to speak with, get a person that they can speak with and trust. Okay. May not be their manager because you don't want it to become a performance issue. It's a stress issue. It has nothing to do with everyday performance. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then third, which is as or more important, is identify the supports. Okay. So if, triage, if, if I send you home, tell me what that would be like for you. Helpful, not so much. Um, best example I can give you though is a first responder, but same principle applies. The person was a municipal employee. They, they were sent home and nobody asked that very, so what's your home like? What are you going there to? This person's spouse was filing for a divorce. They had taken their children, gone to a different location. The dog had just been put down a couple, three months ago. And this person was going to spend all their time in their house by themselves. Yeah. No, so I don't have a crystal ball, but that's probably not the best approach. Right. Okay. Uh, so, and then if we're, we've got crisis and we have to speak to employees en masse because many are affected, uh, how do we communicate with them? So there's two pieces that when I'm doing training with organizations, one of the first pieces we walk through is building out that communication tactic. Because there's two people that need to be involved. Number one, a mucky muck, a VIP, whatever. Right. I, your CEO, your director, your VP, right? But yeah, exactly. And, and they have to speak to the facts of the situation. Okay. Then a second person who can speak to normal sign signals reactions to these types of facts. Okay. And then who's going to be available if I have questions after that? Now that can be done in, some people call them town hall meetings. Yeah. That can be done by a, like a internal video. Yeah. That can be done by email. Mm -hmm. So you get the facts, normal sign signals, and then tools or additional supports for people to contact. So when there's been a crisis of whatever kind, is can you maintain morale? Sometimes, you know, you, morale goes up and then it comes, you know, we're in this together, whatever, sometimes, and then it comes crashing down. Can we avoid that crash? Absolutely. And, but the key to it is leadership. Okay. And leaders, and please, 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 listeners, don't ever, 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 ever think, I think I said ever, don't ever think leadership is a position or title. It is not. Okay. It's in, it's personhood. It's who we, like, without naming names, you have a person that is not exactly motivational in their influence in your world. <laughs> I'm quite sure everyone's going to answer yes to that question. So that's the art of leadership. 
Okay. It's not a title or position. And, and so one of the most important pieces to maintain morale is who are people going to and give them authority to take the initiative to be proactive. Okay. Reach out to people to say, because the key is not that you fixed what I was feeling. Yeah. The key is that you took the initiative to say, hey, John, I noticed. What can I do? Right. And that can be, I think we all know, like sometimes that's like, you know, a particularly influential receptionist that everybody talks to. Right. Well, I'm, I'm biased because my wife is an office administrator. Yeah. They know everything that's going on. They know who everyone is. They have the emotional pull. Big time. Uh, and the big ones are worth a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, do we have to equip that person, though? So there is crisis intervention training. Okay. There is all kinds of pieces. There is um, part of part of what I do is help people build out the ethos of run toward the roar. Okay. By okay, what are your values? What's your yeah. path? Personalities. A lot of times, certain personalities. I just need to be alone. And the next one says, "Don't you dare put me alone." Final question here. Okay, so we've talked about uh, you know responding to crisis. How do we uh, prepare for crisis so that when it ever, when it happens, we're ready? So what I've been speaking to is the themes. So your values, okay. we have to address the why. The second is the right leaders. So if you will, just using general terms, C-suite leaders have to support it. However, it's the B-suite, what I call the mid-senior leaders, who are the key to making it work. That's why HR is so, so strategic. Mm -hmm. Getting the right key influencers trained on how to help people thrive, how to recognize people, how to focus on career development, not merely the reactive performance management ethos. Mm -hmm. And then building that culture around appreciating differences. I know you would find this hard to believe, but not everybody likes me. Shocking angles. Holly, I, I, how does that even happen? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but the key to the, this whole process is trustable, respectable, followable. It's not about likable. Uh, yeah, it's true. And so when leaders invert the model from being king or queen of the castle, which you and I know what that makes everybody else, is inverted to being the kind of leadership that supports the person, supports the intervention, supports the process of information, programs, speakers, events. And then when dissension happens, and it always will, the, the leader is continuing to support to say, no, we're going to keep growing forward here. So what we've always done is not the best way to grow forward. So you know what? We need to change a couple things. Mm -hmm. and, and the leadership of supporting the person, supporting the intervention, supporting the 
transfer of information, I call it, the program suspends the speakers so that when the dissension happens, you're not hitting a wall. It's just a hurdle. You just over it, under it, around it. Well, thanks, John. I can definitely see how we need to prepare ourselves for both the big crises, but also those almost more day-to-day crises, the things that do happen more regularly. Uh, But we have reached the end of this episode. Thanks for listening out there. We'll catch you next time when I talk shop with another insightful guest.